If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. Horse welfare and safety are of utmost importance where humans have any interaction with horses. Within the courses at International Horse College, we only utilise methods that promote safe and humane ways of interaction between horses and humans. We only support safe methods of educating riders, handlers and trainers about horse welfare. Internationalhorsecollege.com Registered Training Organisation 31352 our guest today is Carol Herder. Carol designed and developed the range of Cavallo horse boots to meet the needs of the worldwide hoof boot market, helping horses receive the protection required for the barefoot hoof. Then in 1993, Carol designed and developed the Total Comfort System saddle pad to address the other hot spot for horses ridden under saddle. Ms. Herder won the Royal Bank of Canada Western Trailblazers Women Entrepreneur of the Year Award. She's a proud member of the WPO, Women's President's Organisation, championing women entrepreneurs throughout the world. Her competencies include holistic wellness, nutrition, yoga practice, as well as a Chopra University certified instructor. Her latest book, There's No Horseshoes in Heaven, is an acclaimed number one international bestseller. She co-authored the book, The Cavallo Barefoot Trim Manual, and has several published articles. Carol is commended as a worldwide educator and passionate presenter. How are you today, Carol? I'm fantastic. Thank you. Fantastic. Thanks very much for coming on the call. I'm very interested to talk to you about the Cavallo Boots, and I'm sure that the listeners will be interested as well. Before we start, though, Carol, do you have a favourite quote that you'd like to tell us about? (laughs) I do, and it is from St. John of the Cross, uh, who says, I did not have to ask my heart what it was I wanted. Because of all the desires I have ever known, just one did I cling to. For it was the essence of all desire, to hold beauty in my soul's arms. And that's really how I look at horses. You know, to hold their faces in my hands or to watch them move and run freely. It, it's pure beauty. It's, it's nature personified. And I always wanted to be around horses. And I grew up in the city. Uh, and so I was, I was an adult when I got exposed to horses. And it was like I'd finally reached my heart's desire. Yeah, yeah. I'm just thinking that's quite a long quote, but there's a lot in it. You know, you can read into it quite a lot, can't you? Yeah, Mm. yeah. When you first got that quote, what sort of were the circumstances surrounding it? Why did that one get you particularly as your favourite quote? Well, um, as I read it, it was just so obvious that I distinctly remember going into my first barn And I walked down this hill and into a barn. And again, I was an adult, so, but had always wanted to do it, you know, be involved with horses. So I walked into this barn and the smell, 
the smell and the, and the eating of, of the food and, and even the manure, you know. And to this day, I joke with my friends saying I've worked hard all my life so that I have the privilege of shoveling manure. And of course, the non-horsey friends don't get it. But, you know, it's that everything came together. It was the sight. It was the smell. It was the total experience of finally coming face-to-face with everything I've wanted, all my desires. And so when I read that quote, I, I distinctly remembered that one day when I first walked into the barn and went, oh, yes, I've arrived. <laughs> it's funny because, you know, normally the next question is to tell us about an early memory, and some people say, oh, well, I can't really remember the first time I was on a horse or, you know, I can't remember the first time, but you distinctly remember. And it was it as as an adult, as you said. So, um, yeah, that's quite an interesting story in itself, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, it is. And, you know, I do remember, like, as a child, we were we were going on a Sunday drive with the family and, and I saw a horse out in a field, you know, which is very different yes. from walking into a barn. So there's this little Shetland pony out in the field, and I'm like, Dad, stop the car, you know, and I'm <laughs> screaming, stop the car. And so he comes to a halt thinking something horrible's happened, and I <laughs> dash out of the car and run to the fence, you know, and this little pony comes running towards me. Yeah. And so that was another very fond memory, but I never had the opportunity, you know, growing up. No horse family, you know, no country exposure, nothing, mm. so... It's funny, yeah. isn't it? Because as as a horse person, sometimes you see little kids do things like quick, quick run up or they see it and, and you don't know if that's going to be one of their early memories and then they'll go on and do something with horses because it's quite possible that, that the little kid that you stopped and let pat the horse will then go on and become, you know, quite a well-known horse person, help a lot of horses and they'll always remember the time that you stopped and let them pat your horse. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I think, uh, you know, there are either horse people or not. Y- you know, yes. you either yes. are or you're not. Yep, yep. <laughs> you and think? It, it does, it definitely. And it doesn't matter if you were born into horses or not, because some people like yourself just come random, just from out of nowhere and become horse people. And other people have started off early into a horse family. You know, it just, it doesn't seem to matter. Yeah. Tell me about the horse people that you've worked with. You know, you would have worked with quite a lot of people. And and I'm interested particularly with this one, you know, because you're from a a wellness holistic type background as well. If someone's going to work with horses, what do you think are the core skills or character traits they need to commence in the industry? Right. Well, that's a that's a big question. I mean, first of all, when you talk about um, you know the people that I have been had the pleasure of working with, um, you know, Monty Roberts definitely comes to mind because he's so committed to to leaving the world a better place. And and I'm a very good friend of his, and I see him often. And he's now 82, mm. and he rides better than he ever has. I mean, he's just, he's so committed to that lifestyle. And the other thing is, is that he's taken what he's learned from horses and he's, and he's massaged it and developed programs for kids, for corporations, you know, about communications, about listening skills. You know, being able to be quiet and listen 
is is a really important skill because you know our horses are are uh, are prey animals, and so a lot of what they function on is intuition. And if you're going to come at them and be loud and aggressive, you know, that, that's not something they're going to be able to relate to. So the quietness, the communication, you know, the fact that there's so much honesty involved with horses. I remember um, going to Monty's house and there was, you know, among several plaques on his wall and accolades of him and the queen and, and all, you know, all the wonderful things he's done was a, a plaque from the CIA. And when the polygraph is inconclusive, when the lie detector is inconclusive, they've called Monty in. And I said, Monty, why, why did I call you in for that? And mm. he said, Carol, um, I work with animals who can't lie. Mm. So I can tell a lie a mile away. So he's a very honest, you know, quiet, understated, but he but he has a mission, you know. And and you know, John Lyons, he's he's such a iconic cowboy, and and again, real really high level of ethical values. Pat Pirelli, Pat Pirelli, who is he's a natural. He's just a natural. Like I've seen clinics. And I've seen people go home, myself included, and try to do what he's done. And you can't do it because you're not Pat Pirelli. Like, he, yep. he has a gift. Yep. Uh, Julie Goodnight, who I love. Linda Pirelli. Linda Pirelli's a lot of fun, too. You know, I saw her uh, not too long ago <laughs> jumping um, jumping picnic tables on a horse, you know, bitless and bridleless. Like, yep. Yep. And then there's lots of vets and scientists. And, and Dr. Strausser, who was at the forefront of the whole barefoot movement, um, she's somewhat controversial um, because of her delivery, but she's brilliant. So I, I'm really enjoying a lot of the new information that's coming out from some of the horse uh, people who are scientists and veterinarians as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm interested, you know, when you, you said, like a lot of people say communication, communication with people but communication with animals, with horses, is essential. But the way you introduced it is be quiet, you know, like wait for the animal to communicate with you. It sort of just, it expands people's thinking the way that you talked about it, I think, was good. good. You know, the other thing is you have to communicate with yourself because you are responsible for the you that you bring into the horse's environment. And so you have to have a level of self-awareness in order to succeed with being an astute horse person. So you have to know, like, you know, am I all concerned about what happened at the office today? You know, am I mad at my husband? (laughs) Do I have to pay a bill? You know, what are you bringing into that horse's space? Yeah, yeah. Tell me about what led you to the boots. Did you have horses that you had barefoot? Did you know that they needed some sort of protection in certain circumstances? Because, you know, there's a lot of times barefoot that horses can naturally live barefoot and be barefoot for a long time. But then, you know, there's there's certain circumstances. So what led you to the whole Cavello boots? Well, I came from a background of holistic healthcare, So that was my interest in study. But I was a business person as well, you know, the whole time. So... 
go back to the healthcare. So I come into horses as an adult. I go into this barn. There's there's 20 horses all in stalls. You know, I'm really excited to be there. And I, I start taking lessons, and uh, I, but I wanted to get my own horse. You know, I wanted yeah. to pamper my own horse. So I, I bought a horse, and it turns out he was a barrel racer. That's what he knew what to do. And as my knowledge progressed, I recognized that he was not a beginner's horse because all he wanted to do was run. And the reason for this, in retrospect, is because when he was running flat out, he couldn't feel the discomfort that was going on in his feet and ultimately in his entire body. And so he was a runaway. And I had to learn to, you know, I had to learn to ride really quickly in order to manage this horse. And then, so we ended up barrel racing, which was super fun, but I couldn't keep him sound. Some days he'd be, um, you know, he he could pick up the right lead. Uh, Some days he couldn't. Some days he'd be swishing his tail or his ears would be pinned back or he'd be stomping or weaving or doing all sorts of things. And I thought, this isn't right. You know, what's wrong with this horse? And I started asking questions and people told me that this is just the way horses are. It's part and parcel of horse ownership, and I should just get on and ride. And because I'm a holistic person, I don't, I don't accept the symptoms. I want to know why. I want to know what is the cause of this symptomatic behavior. So I started to look at it, and of course, what's the difference between wild horses and domestic horses is we put saddles on, which are hard, heavy, rigid, and then we ride them. So I thought this level of discomfort must be coming from the back, which is why I developed those, you know, the therapeutic Cavallo system for saddle fit discrepancies. And it fixes a lot of saddle fit problems and it makes horses a lot more comfortable. But with Rocky, those little problems still continued. So I said, hey, I want to I be able to turn my horse out. And they said, well, you can't really do that here. And, you know, we don't have enough room. And so I took my horse to a friend's house and off he went, running free, and the next day I came to visit, and this horse could not walk, couldn't walk, dead lame. So I called the vet, and I, and he came out, and he said, well, didn't you administer the, the phenobutazole today? And, um, you know, that, that's a pretty significant painkiller that, as it turns out, Rocky was having this significant amount of butte every single day to mask the ring bone, side bone, splints, mm-hmm. arthritis, and well. ultimately the, the ulcers that were appearing as a result of the meds. <laughs> and, you know, it was just this horrible downward spiral. And, and the vet was wonderful because he could see, you know, my, my, um, my heartbreak, first of all, but um, also my inability to really manage the situation. And so he took Rocky off my hands and he said, you know, his son would ride him and exercise him and he'd administer the medication and blah, blah, blah. Three months later, I got the call they had to put Rocky down. But I was hooked on barrel racing, so I went on to want to do it and, and got a series of horses who still had these inconsistencies. You know, and and that's what it was. And I couldn't figure out how I could keep a horse sound in this sport, which is an aggressive sport, 100% of the time, without the use of anti-inflammatories, painkillers, you know, MSMs, and and all the stuff that you see on the shelves of your, your saddlery. 
And it it was really difficult. I couldn't do it. And I'd have body workers out and I'd have vets out to do radiographs and everything was inconclusive. And then I thought, oh, well, maybe it's the breeding. I'll get a really well-bred horse. So went and did that and got Dorothy, who is, whose registered name is as bad as my dad. And, and daddy's name was no more Mr. Nice Guy. And these are champions. And um, and I went into debt, and I got this beautiful horse, and the same problems. And I and and the same answer was, this is just part of horse ownership. Get used to it. Get on and ride. And one day it was like this epiphany to me. I'm 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 discouraged. You know, I'm ready to go to a barrel race. You know, I've got my trailer hooked up and everything. I I get her out of the stall, and she's limping. And I just sat down in despair and. It was like this huge epiphany. It was like, look at these teeny little feet on this big athletic body that are clamped with these metal shoes in their smallest, most contracted position. And then does metal absorb shock? So every time that hoof hits the ground, the, the shock of metal is referred back up the horse's structure. No wonder I can't keep these horses sound. And right then and there, I pulled the shoes. I had no idea what I was going to do, but I, I thought, I'm not putting shoes on these horses. And that's really when my study began. And this was in 2000. Yep. So it was some time ago. There wasn't as much information about barefoot horses as there is now. And uh, so it was it was hard to find the information that could lead me down the right path. And, you know, through trial and error, error I ended up getting there. And... Um, Ended up meeting a wonderful Australian named Greg Giles, who mm-hmm. was launching a prototype of a thing called an old Mac boot that was this big, um, you know, kind of clunky looking contraption. But he said it's supposed to be an alternative to metal shoes. So I went ahead and, and, and I, met, I met Greg at, um, just outside of London at the British uh, Equestrian Trade Association, which was the biggest uh, wholesale industry trade show in the world. And he had this boot there. And, and so I brought it home and I put it on my, my horse, my Dorothy, and she walked off sound and her head went down and she started licking. And I was like, wow, mm-hmm. this is great. This is hoof protection. Um, the boot itself wasn't what I would have wanted. It was kind of clunky and it was difficult to, to, um, fasten and those things. But I did become the world uh, brand manager and my company became the distributor for North America. And one thing led to another and, and I designed the Cavallo boot yep. out of that and just made those improvements. And, um, God, you know, that's sort of how it all happened. <laughs> oh, oh, let me add. Um, it's a good story because it's a love story. Uh, Greg moved from Geelong, just outside of Melbourne, to live with me on my ranch here in Roberts Creek, <laughs> which is just outside of Vancouver, Canada. And this year we will celebrate our 10th wedding anniversary. <laughs> wow. So it's wow. a love story too. Yeah, that's good, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Tell me about working with horses, working in the horse industry. What's the best thing? Um, 
you know, uh, I, I mentioned that I was in business before I was, um, I was in the restaurant industry. I was a designer and manufacturer of garments. I've been in sales. Um, I've done quite a few things, but I'll tell you what. The company that I owned before this, before Cavallo, was um, a fashion company. And we would get bad debts like you wouldn't believe. You know, even from reputable companies like Macy's, you know, they would just not pay. Mm. Our industry is so great because horse people are honest. They're down-home country folk for the most part. I've never... Well... Yes, I did one store. They they went bankrupt and, and they owed some money. And she, you know, she tried to make amends, but she just couldn't. She was strapped. But we have never had a bad debt. And people are honest. People are honest. People are kind. People are animal people, you know. So they have these basic, this basic sense of what matters, you know. Most of them live in the country. I mean, just just a wonderful group of of people, and and really, that's that's the beauty. It's about the people. <laughs> I mean, if you take yeah. the animals out of it, the people are really great too. <laughs> <laughs> I just like you had um, you know, animal people or horse people have have a basic sense of yeah, the goodness. Yeah. Mm. What do you think's been your proudest moment so far? Well, you know, when I brought um, those boots back yep. here and put them on Dorothy and she walked off sound, you know, because my my girlfriends were making fun of me because I had pulled the horse's shoes off and I was walking her around and she was, she was sore, you know, because she was shod too early and worked too hard too soon and she had a lot of pathologies going on in her hoof. And, of course, when I pulled those metal shoes off, she could feel what was happening in her feet. You know, often if you keep the shoes on, they can't feel their feet because there's no blood circulating there. You know, the hoof is contracted and clamped and the mm-hmm. blood's not circulating. So the problems that are going on, they don't really feel. And, you know, and then they get to be 12 or 13 and, and they're diagnosed navicular and they've got bar shoes and pads and everything else. And by 15, you can't ride them. You know, it's a common thing. But, um, so I'd been walking her hand, walking her down the trails, and, you know, the girls are saying, can you just put shoes on and get on and ride? But I was committed to this. And it took me, uh, well, it was about five months to get her rehabilitated. And we went to a barrel race, and we got on, and we were barefoot. And, you know, they were saying, oh, in fact, one girl said to me, Carol, um, you know, we haven't seen your hair out at the barrel races, and we've just assumed that you've fallen on hard times, especially since you can't afford to put metal shoes on your horse. <laughs> and she offered to lend me money <laughs> to get uh... the shoes put on. <laughs> I said, no, it's okay. And off we went. And she got around those barrels in three strides rather than four because when a barefoot horse really functions properly, the hoof expands with when the weight comes down and contracts, and it's almost like a plunger. You know, horses have been on the planet for 50 million years, so the design of the hoof is not a flaw that we have to improve on by, you know, clamping metal shoes on, but... So that plunger effect really gives them a lot of traction. So boom, off she goes, and she's around those barrels, and she's running flat out because she's got no restrictions and no referring pain back up her structure. We took a second off our time. 
<laughs> wow, wow, that's good. That's good. And the girls were like, whoa. Yeah. Is that and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> now, you know, that all being said, um, when we ride horses, we generally the hoof isn't conditioned to the terrain we want to ride on because the horse lives in a different environment, you know, soft bedded stalls or pastures or yep. whatever. And often we want to ride on more aggressive terrain that the hoof isn't conditioned to. And we put an additional 200 pounds, which is the average weight of rider and tack, on their backs, which further pushes the sole that's not conditioned to the terrain further into the ground. So do we need protection when we're riding our domestic horses? Yes. Yes, we do. But it doesn't come in the form of metal shoes. You just pop the boots on, ride over any terrain at any speed, take them off when you come home, and then your horse can reestablish and have a natural lifestyle. Yeah. Carol, thinking about where you are now with your boots and production and everything else, what do you think has been your biggest challenge on, you know, say once you've decided, okay, this is what I'm going to do, I'm going to do it professionally, I suppose. What's been your biggest mm-hmm. challenge on being where you are now, getting to where you are now? Well, an easy answer, there's two answers. One's, one's easier than the other. The easy answer is, um, is getting the right people around you. That's, mm-hmm. that's really been challenging. And I'm not talking about just the office or just the manufacturing, but my colleagues as well. We have distribution in 28 countries around the world, and, and I consider those people partners and family. And you know, now the distributors that we have are fantastic. We love them, and we work well. And, and, and so it's like I need to know, like, and trust them. But I haven't always had that luxury, and I've made some mistakes, and, you know, sometimes it doesn't work out the way that we think it would. But the other thing is, you know, my passion is horses, and it started out being horses. I don't have a lot of time to ride anymore, Mm -hmm. and what what used to get me out of bed in the morning was, to go to the barn, you know, go to the barn, be with the horses, ride them and, and do all that, you know. Now my challenge is the business and I'm happy to do it because we're changing the world and, and we're saving a lot of horses' lives. But it can be a bit challenging day to day and sometimes it feels like an uphill battle. And I think that if you're going to get involved in business, um, there you have to recognize that there are going to be some trying times. It's You don't just get to a place and say, it's all good. And, you know, I mean, we have a right to make money. We have a right to put food on the table and, and all of that. And so that's all going well. Yeah, but you, you, I find that I always have to keep innovating, have to keep developing, have to keep trying. So... You have to be prepared for the ride, yes. <laughs> and it's not always an easy one. You know, there are challenges, for sure. If you're an equestrian coach or a horse riding instructor, or even if you aspire to be one, have a look at the free video series for horse riding instructors on the Horse Chats website. Go there now. Have a look. Horsechats.com. Is that what you'd say for people who are looking at doing something, you know, getting in and they might have designed something and they're looking at producing it. Is that what you'd say for them getting involved in the business? 
what advice would you give them? Yeah, I would give them that advice, and I and I would say, you know, don't don't undervalue yourself. Um, first of all, so um, all of us, all of us have a unique ability. I mean, say you know you want to you want to sell horse blankets, for example. Yeah. Okay, so sure, there's lots of horse blankets on the market, and and uh, you know it's competitive and everything else, but. Your delivery of it is unique. And so if that's really what you want to do, absolutely do it. And do not be afraid to fail because it's out of the failures that you that you improve. And you have to trust that you do have a unique ability. So I would, you know, decide what you want to do, decide what you want to do. Understand that you have a, a unique ability to do it and an aptitude to do it, and that there are going to be some low times. Seek some mentors. You know, there's lots of people who will who will help you read. You know, read books on business. Understand how business works, and and then understand that you're entitled to make a profit. You're entitled to to put food on your own table. Um, yep. Another thing I think, you know. If you could identify a problem, if you could identify something that could make life easier, better, more rewarding, you know, let's go back to the um, blanket example. You know, maybe you think, I don't know, you know, if I put a little elastic at the gusset or if I put a little elastic here, that would really improve the comfort level for the horse or it would really improve the ease on which this blanket can be fastened or, you know, or I've, you know, I've noticed this really neat material. Maybe if I use this material, you know, in this area, it will improve the breathability or, you know, some some kind of problem that you can improve upon, yes. and then go ahead and do it. Don't yep. wait until you've got everything just right, you know, <laughs> because if you don't start, it's never going to happen, right? Yep. yep. And decide, you know, it, when you start, you know, you can say, well, I want to sell 100 blankets in a year. Okay, maybe that's a low goal, but you would feel better attaining that goal. Than saying something like, "Okay, I want to sell ten thousand blankets a year." Some people need to set a goal that's really high because, for their personality, they like to keep striving. So, is it better for you to set a goal too low and achieve it, or is it better for you to set a goal too high and and keep striving? So. You know, I love business in that it's a real vehicle to understand yourself. And that's what you need to do. You really have to dive in and understand yourself because you're the one at the end of the day who's either going to have those sleepless nights <laughs> or yep. enjoy yourself. Yep, yep, for sure, for sure. We talked a bit about, the. you know, you said even within a business identify a problem and you certainly identify a problem. So we normally talk a little bit about a common fault, common problem. And I think you've identified, uh, you know, the problems, the the current problems. Is there anything that you'd like to add to that? You know, you've talked about the hoof. You've said, right, with these, you know, the Cavallo boots, this is the solution. Yeah, I just thought if there was anything else. Otherwise, I'm going to ask you to recommend a book to our listeners. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what? Um, we've got horses on the planet for 50 million years. Yep. The, the hoof, that's not a design flaw. 
-hmm. It's meant to function as God created. And then we've got the farrier, um, traditional farrier, for 1,500 years. So the problem is really making the transition to what we thought is the right thing to do. And, you know, when we ask, um, because I, I do speak um, to groups of people and sometimes upwards of hundreds, and I always ask the question, you know, why do we shoe our horses? And the last time I was at an event, there were about 500 people there, and there was dead silence in the room. And then somebody said, well, it protects their hooves, so that's the most common one. And then somebody said it's, you know, the right thing to do, and then there's more silence, and then somebody said it corrects problems, and then there was more silence, and then somebody, this brave young man in the front row put up his hand, and he said, you know, when I think about it, I'm not really sure. Mm-hmm. So it's about questioning. You know, it's it's questioning belief structures. It's questioning what you hold to be true. And so um, the book that I wrote, There Are No Horseshoes in Heaven, Escape the Limits of Tradition and Discover the Path to Perfect Health for You and Your Horse. I launched it on my birthday last year. And within two hours, it was a number one bestseller on Amazon in Canada. By noon, it was a number one bestseller in the USA. By 4 p.m. our time, which is early morning your time, it was a number one bestseller in Australia. And overnight, it became a number one bestseller in the U.K. So it became a number one bestseller in four major Western countries in 24 hours. And it's because people are ready to look at things in another way. And so that's really what we're asking. You know, okay. just, just look, think outside the box a little yep. bit. Now, what are you looking forward to now? Oh, well, um, we have a couple things um, mm-hmm. in the line of, of developing. One is a remediation, uh, you know, something that I think will really help with laminitis. Uh, and we're developing it with a faculty at a university. I'm not going to divulge yet um, who they are or what the product is. But when, when will we have those details? You will have those details uh, by September. Good, good. By yeah. September, yeah. Yeah, because uh, I'd like you to come back and talk about them as well, Carol. I think that's um, certainly that would be interesting. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and um, and we've just launched. I'm very excited right now because uh, Greg is actually at a big show called Rolex, um, which is one of the three world jumping shows that yes. um, the top competitors go to. And he is launching a new product called the Transport Air, and this is a boot with um, with a Kevlar-like sole, um, and it's a. a, a total protection boot for the cornet band, and, and, and it was developed in the understanding that uh, some top-level competitors or just some competitors or just some horse people in general, you know, they're not, they keep the shoes on. They keep the metal shoes on. But those horses still should be protected in transport. And lots of times, you know, there's studs put in or, or there's other means that, that they need to be protected when they're traveling, going down the road. You know, there's shock absorption. There's stepping on, you know, one foot with the other. There's lots of things that, 
they need to be protected from as as show horses or as competitive horses who do have metal shoes on. So this is a protection boot called the Transport Air, and it's being launched today as we speak. (laughs) Brilliant, brilliant. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. We can talk talk about that another time in a bit more detail as well. But meanwhile, mm-hmm. Carol, can you just summarise your philosophy with horses? Well, really, it's about, oh, God, aren't they beautiful? I mean... <laughs> yes. You know... <laughs> I don't think you'll get anyone disagreeing with you there. Yeah. <laughs> it's just be present. Be present, and that's what they have taught me. When I walk into their space, when I walk into their into the barn or, or right into their space, I'm, I've become very honoured to be there because it's like a reflection. I, I suppose that's, that's really it. It's, it's a reflection because they reflect back to us what we give to them. So if you have a horse who's agitated or, or not behaving, I mean, a lot of, a lot of these behavioural problems are a result of a level of discomfort. And there's not much you can do, philosophically speaking, about that except make them comfortable. But say you have made them comfortable, Mm. then it's about honoring their space by honoring who you are when you step into that space. And so it's a reciprocal relationship. Yep. And, uh, and you know, let there be no doubt that it is a relationship and, and it's not a master and controller. You know, don't be a predator. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Okay. Now, Carol, how can people contact you? Well, I'm happy for anyone to send me an email directly. So it's carol, C-A-R-O-L-E, at Cavallo, C-A-V-A-L-L-O, hyphen or dash, Inc, I-N-C. Um, I'm often traveling. I'm probably traveling half of the year, but I do have a wonderful um, helper who answers emails on my behalf. And if you want to talk to me uh, directly, well, oftentimes I'll I'll respond to you directly as well. Okay. And you can visit our website too. And you can read the book because Mm -hmm. there's lots of good information in there. And all those details will be on our page, which is horsechats.com slash Carol Herder, and remember Carol's got C-A-R-O-L-E, um, or just go to horsechats.com and search for Carol or search for Herder. All right, so thank you, Carol, for talking to us today. I'm looking forward to, to hearing more about the laminitis and, and what you can't talk about today. We'll talk about it sometime in the future. So looking forward to talking to you, and hopefully we'll talk to you again sometime very soon. Perfect. My pleasure, and thank you too. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses, or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below 